Hello, everyone, and welcome to KOPW. I am Sam, your host, and I get to do one of the things that I find to be the most fun about this particular gig. Um, I don't know why I call it a gig. I don't make any money doing this. But one of the things that I have the most fun with in that uh, is an interview. Uh, I was lucky enough to chat with Matt Charlton, whose new book, J-Crowned, from Hybrid Shoot, has just dropped. You can get the electronic version on Amazon.com or, of course, order the print version as well. Um, it is available for international shipping from the looks of things. You can get it uh, in Europe. You can get it here in the States. Um, I'm not quite 100% sure on Asia yet. Um, I know... We, we had a brief discussion about that. It might not be available um, in, in Japan just yet, but I would imagine that uh, the electronic version is. Um, additionally, uh, we we chat a bit about some of the, the current events. Uh, in fact, that's kind of where we started our discussion. Um, and at, at the risk of um, alienating anyone, I just wanted to kind of give you fair warning. I thought it was valuable to have that conversation because it was something that both Matt and I um, see fairly eye to eye on and we're fairly passionate about. So I just wanted to release it for people who are interested in, you know, kind of sharing the situation that we all are currently in. Uh, Matt, of course, is in Spain um, and I am in the United States and in Chicago. So it was, uh, I think it was nice to be able to connect in that way. And, and we wanted to be able to share it with um, our, our listeners. So um, if you're not interested in hearing about that, you want to stay away from current events, you're afraid that maybe you might have a different point of view, which I completely respect, uh, I would say maybe fast forward to about the 18, 19 minute mark uh, for the interview proper where we begin discussing J Crown. Um, but Matt's a, a lovely human being, and I am fortunate enough to be able to, uh, at this point, you know, call him a friend. And um, I am, am a fan of his work, uh, obviously, but even from a, an objective standpoint, I think Jay Crowned is, is quite an accomplishment and, and a really wonderful book, um, not just for newcomers to uh, Japanese wrestling, but also for folks that, uh, like myself, have been fan for 20 plus years. Um, You'll learn things. Um, you, you know, I think that there are some folks out there uh, like Matt and his brother Chris uh, and, and other people that I've talked to online that do have an encyclopedic knowledge, uh, you know, that goes back from the early 80s all the way up until the present day. I will be the first to admit I am not one of those people. Uh, I have a passion for it. I know I know quite a bit of stuff, but I certainly don't know everything. And this book um, reminded me of some wonderful things. It taught me a lot, um, and it's something that I'll continue to go back to. So I hope that you enjoy the interview um, and uh, stick around afterwards for a few more comments on what's coming next on uh, the King of Pro Wrestling podcast. But uh, here I'm going to throw it over to uh, Matt and, and myself and our interview that took place uh, on uh, Sunday morning, April the 26th. Sunday morning for me. It was actually early evening for him in Spain. I, I completely agree. That's been my biggest, you know, my biggest hope out of all of this is that people will be a little bit kinder to one another because I think when when we are so isolated and you start craving a level of human connection that we're missing, even yeah. when it comes to work, because for my job, I'm so lucky. You know, I work at a, at a nonprofit arts company, and a lot of those companies have been hit particularly hard. Um, ours is no different, but we're fortunate enough to be, you know, safe through at least July 1st. So, you know, in the meantime, we're, we're still working, we're having meetings online, but mm -hmm. there's, it's strange when you have like one-on-one, -on -one, 
I feel like this is actually really nice. You get to see somebody's face. You get to talk to someone. You get to connect with someone in a way that you don't normally get to. But when yeah. you start putting like five or six other faces in there as well, it, it really doesn't make you feel more connected. If anything, it actually makes you feel less connected no, because no one really gets to communicate. It's just sort of like a weird, I don't know. It's a very different kind of give and take than what you have when it's maybe a one-on-one -on -one video conference or when you're in a room with those five or six people. Yeah, I know that is this disembodied forum. I mean, if um, you're in that room, then you direct your body language towards them and you, you're able to form some kind of connection with with everybody there. But when you're just looking at faces, perhaps some faces that you've never met before, um, it's, it's really difficult to to make that connection and, and communicate in the way that you'd like to. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's funny. I actually think of The Office sometimes and about how in the office when they would have those meetings, um, you know, whether it's the British version or the American version, I'm thinking of the American version specifically, but um, that characters would share looks with one another and mm -hmm. moments with one another. And you don't get that anymore. You can't like, you know, share a glance with a coworker when somebody says something silly, you can't, you know, you can't have those sorts of moments anymore. Um, and so my, my hope is because, hopefully people are noticing those missing things and realizing how valuable it is to have that, that it does, you know, up our level of, of connection and, and deepen the kindness that we have for, for others. So we'll see. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the whole, otherwise you know, they could go the other way. People are, maybe they, they prefer to take things just on face value and they prefer this kind of distance. Um, yeah. You know, over the last you know, what decade, you know, we've, we've drifted away from each other and we've, we've kind, of, um, kind of got ourselves stuck in, in mobile phones and communicating um, you know, without looking at somebody else. And um, I don't know, it, it, it could be the thing that makes people realize that, that that sucks. And it could be the thing that really pushes people to remember that, no, 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 we, we don't exist without being in a room with other people. We don't exist without other people's perceptions of us or those little things that uh, that we share with them without actually saying something or without having to be as clear as possible to a, a freaking webcam. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, the future, the future, once we get out, the future has, has all kinds of potential to be great, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll re remember how to communicate with each other and get out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, and I think that it's, <laughs> I think that it's important too, that there are things to be grateful for, even in the, you know, shelter in place and, 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 and lockdowns that are occurring because you do see, um, you know, some artists, uh, or, or, or just, you know, everyday people who are, are, are kind of having this explosion of creativity and whether that means that they're shooting these videos and, you know, dancing or singing or, or sharing good news or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of really cool stuff that is still happening, yeah. um, which it, it's nice to be able to focus on that because I know in, in particular in our country, uh, a, they're, there is a daily assault on common sense and intelligence and grace and compassion. And, uh, I think that it's important right now to, you know, to filter some of that stuff out and, and, and just focus on the good things. Uh, and I, and I would like to think that that's just a good model to have going forward. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I've not, I've not, you know, made any of, of my, 
uh, leanings a secret of the podcast, so I don't mind talking about it. But it's just it, it, it there 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 is a daily dose of heartbreak if you are engaging in, in the conversation. <laughs> if your eyes are open, then right. you're gonna be sad. No, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's it. Um, yeah, I mean, but, it's 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 odd looking at at say, the United States from. Um, or from the outside, um, uh, because yeah, I don't know. Again, I mean, I, my politics. I, I think. I mean, I hope. I, I don't know. I'm always surprised when you see somebody who perhaps. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like everybody, I, I live very much in my own bubble, and I, I listen sure. to people and I watch things that um, I relate to, and so you know, it's all left leaning, and it's all you know, as. I don't, I don't know you know, it, it, what I would perceive to be good, just people being good to each other or, or being compassionate to each other. And, and I don't understand how, if you have a choice between being good and being bad, how, how anyone could ever choose consciously being bad. But there, there are people who seem to, from the very top, be making that conscious choice. And I don't understand right. how it's not not obvious to everybody that this is happening and it's something that you should be i don't know wary of and fight against because it seems to go against everything that we have always been told in movies and in books this is what your country is is based on it's, it's the fight for i don't i don't know goodness and honesty and and i don't know from the very top it seems that things are are contrary to that at the moment yeah yeah. And, and, and I, I completely agree with you. I mean, growing up, that was certainly what I was always inspired by. And, uh, I think that the surprising thing for, I know myself and even some of my friends here is that when you grow up being inspired by that ideal and, and, and looking for the good and, and wanting things to, to be good, for <laughs> just lack of a better word. Uh, and, 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 you know, for everyone to, to, to have that fair shake and for compassion in particular, for compassion to really kind of rule the day. Um, and you get those lessons from people who are in your life, whether it's a parent or a grandparent. Um, and then you find yourself as you get older, holding on to those ideals, but you look around and you see people that were once close to you that were an inspiration that are turning their backs on that. And that's probably been the saddest thing for me. And I think some of my friends is seeing parents and aunts and uncles and even grandparents embrace some of this more hateful ideology, at least from, from my perspective, it seems very hateful and very cold. Um, and I think that that is, that to me is, is an example of fear uh, having a, a very powerful effect. No, um, so, you, would, you wouldn't say that this, uh, these people are bad. Right. Anyone who makes a choice to, uh, again, follow somebody who has persuaded them or played on their fears, you wouldn't say that then these people who are following them are, are, are bad, but they are people who have, who have doubts, who have insecurities. And that it's a hundred percent natural as you grow older, to become fiscally conservative. It's 100% natural as you grow older to be concerned about your family. Yeah. And then it's reprehensible for somebody in a position of power or um, with ambitions for power to abuse those fears and manipulate those fears 
um, to their own ends. It's it's a hundred percent possible for for people to to live together in perfect harmony. Um, you can't correlate a rising crime with uh, a, a section of society. You can't correlate um, a poor economy with um, a certain group of people or, or a certain um, policy. You know, I, I, again, I, I don't know. I, it, like you said, it's it's fear and 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 the naked manipulation of fear, and it's happening everywhere. It's happening over here in in Europe. I mean, it's happening here in this country, Spain, with this. Um, uh, right-wing group, Vox, um, who, uh, a disturbingly large number of people are, are voting for. But again, it's, I know, ignorance and fear, and that, that's all it is. And um, no, like you said, it's it's education and it's people's experience as well. And, um, you know, to that end, experiencing something bad or experiencing something unpleasant, which this last month, month and a half, two months has been for everybody, will hopefully be some kind of wake-up call to to kind of call people's attention to what is actually in, important. You know, your, your community is important, your family is important, and you look around the world, everybody has those same ideals. You know, we're, we're all very, very similar. We should all be working together. It's one world, not a connection of, of little territories. I mean, these, these lines that are drawn are purely ima- imaginary. Um, is that, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. These these ideas are far too big. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're 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 perfect. I mean, they're, they're beautiful, and I, I completely agree. And I think that that's to me um, also, you know, in addition to wanting people to be a little bit more compassionate, I think recognizing that that the unifying force that that kind of holds us all together, and that we are all on, on sharing the same planet. Um, and, and it, you know, sometimes I. I you know, my, my previous life, I was an actor and, uh, one of the, um, you know, last big roles that I had is I actually played John F. Kennedy in, in a play and, um, doing a lot of research and, and reading a lot of books and watching a lot of interviews and everything, seeing, for instance, like even his transformation from, from early on in his presidency, um, being swayed and influenced by a lot of the more hawkish, advisors and generals, and then finding somewhere along the way, this idea that we didn't have to fight one another, that we didn't have to make one another, we didn't have to assimilate other people into our own way of life, mm. that, that, that what we already shared and what we already had in common was far more important and far stronger than the things that divided us. Yeah. And, 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 and it was almost like the realization of, which I know scared a lot of people at the time and whatever you may believe or dive into with conspiracy theories, et cetera, may have had an influence and impact even on his death, that he was moving towards a place where saying, you know what, if the Soviet Union wants to have communism as their form of you know, political system, then they should be allowed to do that. And we can find ways to live in harmony with them instead yeah. of, you know, arming ourselves to the heavens and blowing each other up one day. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that, in, you know, in some of his final speeches, you know, the lines, like he said, we all share the same plan. We all breathe the same air. We, you know, I mean, that, that to me is another thing that I would hope that this experience would do for us because it has affected, you know, it's, it's a pandemic. It's, it's a global issue. And, and, you know, I'm talking to you, you're in Spain, the effect that it's having on you and your family here in Chicago, the effect that it's been having on me and my family, like it's something that we all can share together. Um, and, and, and again, hopefully it is something that, that rather than, 
shutting borders and, you know, thumping chests and trying to proclaim this country is better or that country is better or whatnot, that, that instead we can realize that, that there, I mean, all those boundaries and borders are imaginary, you know, they're just something we made up at some point in time to say, this land is my land, you know, and it's like, well, it's everybody's. <laughs> no, this is it. And the, the banks or the, the central banks anyway, which can print trillions of dollars at will to save whatever major company they deem worthwhile. Um, again, I mean, that, that's a system which, which has been waiting to collapse for, for a long, long time. You know, uh, people, like in Italy, they froze mortgage repayments and they froze rent yeah. payments. One of our concerns here, they're not going to do that here. Um, and so it is that concern how am I going to survive? And, you know, this is affecting everybody now whose livelihoods have been threatened by this or people who aren't working now. Why are we so dependent on this system where so many people work for so little for for this tiny percentage of people who seem to have so much? Um, we're forced to to pay the majority of our, our wage just to live, just to survive. Um, and so, I mean, again, once we get out, I mean, there has to be some kind of, I don't know, a, a refocus perhaps of um, perspective. You know, what is important? You know, it's not scrabbling and, and trying to collect, you know, the, the pennies that we have and then desperately then passing them on to the, the landlord or the, you know, whoever might be in charge. You know, um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like yeah. we were saying before. Um, I know the last the last few months have been tough because yeah again my, my workplace closed, um, and so I mean that that's a concern again which affects everybody and when it comes down to well, how am I going to feed my family and how am I going to pay the rent again I think after this there has to be some honest looking at ourselves and thinking well yeah this isn't fair and and hopefully maybe things can change but I I I, I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know it's a, it is a perilous time where things are a bit unclear. Um, but I think that it's good to have that hope. So I, I'm, I'm to, to share this with you, you, uh, you know, do be able to share some of it, um, you know, with, with listeners and that sort of stuff. I just think it's, it's something that, um, is, is important, important for, uh, us as human beings right now. So I'm, I'm grateful to be able to have the opportunity to talk to you about some of these things. Uh, and, and obviously with your blessing, be able to share it on the podcast. Cause I think, you know, like oh. I said, some people could really use it right now. Um, but we're, we, we are, believe it or not here to talk about something else today. <laughs> um, and that yeah. is your new book, um, J crowned, um, which I, uh, immediately, you know, you sent me a message on Twitter, um, saying that it was ready and available. And so I immediately went and, uh, grabbed the, uh, electronic version off Thank of Amazon you. and started reading it right away. And then it, it probably took me about five minutes to then go back and buy the paperback version as well. Oh. So that's, that's in the mail. Um, I say that, Oh yeah, of course. Of course. I say that not only, um, to, you know, to let you know that I've been reading it and let the listeners know that I've been reading it, but also to, you know, just kind of put a disclaimer out there. Cause I know I've been very complimentary and will continue to be so over the course of this episode about the book, uh, that, you know, 
I, this isn't a case where like you sent me a copy and said, Hey, check out my book and let's do a podcast. This is, you know, I, I bought the book. Um, and, and, and I mean, literally bought two copies because, uh, I just want people to know that, that this isn't any sort of quid pro quo, you know, that I, I have been a fan of your art and, and just have thought that you were a lovely human being since the first time that we spoke. Um, and so to have the opportunity to have you out again and talk about the book, I'm very excited for. Um, but I just want people to know that, that what I'm saying, you know, comes from somebody that paid his I won't say hard earned, but moderately earned uh, <laughs> money and, uh, and, and, and bought the book um, because I was genuinely interested in it. Um, and it has been so much fun. Uh, let me just start off by saying so much fun reading the book. And I, I, I started off uh, basically reading it chronologically, just, mm-hmm. you know, page by page by page, going all through all the Triple Crown champions. And then I kind of got to a point and I was just sort of like, you know, I'm just going to kind of flip around and, and find you know, names or, or, or that I don't know, or some names that I do know, or what, you know, what is, what is Matt written about Okada? What is, you know, and so it, that aspect of the book is wonderful because it, I think that especially if you're going to, you know, if you, if you want to sit down and read a section, like all of the triple crown winners or all of the IWGP winners or you know, that, that, that can pay off reading it in order because there is an arc to it and a shape to it, which is really nice. But it's also wonderful to just be able to pick up a book like this, open it up to a page and be like, Oh, there's Terry Gordy. I'm going to read about Terry Gordy today, Mm. you know? And I think that that, um, it's rare in my opinion that you find books about wrestling that are, um, you know, that, that aren't like an autobiography um, or a biography, but even in that case, some of those aren't very well written either, to be honest with you, um, that are so well written, um, because that's the thing that's most striking to me. Uh, you know, not that I didn't have an expectation that it would be intelligently written, but that, <laughs> that it is just so well constructed. Like, it, I mean, from, from, from like a, a guy who graduated with an English minor looking at this book, it's like, wow, this is really just well written. You know, there's, there's nothing about this that I, that I read and think, Oh man, they could have used another editor on this or something. So, so kudos to you for writing something so well. <laughs> That's it. Again, it's it's not self-published. A very talented person has gone through that, and they have edited it. So I, I'm incredibly indebted to them because um, no, definitely uh, when it was sent off, I mean, the final manuscript, the, the pages were so incredibly dense. It was like everything that these people had done. So God bless them because because yeah, they they have part everything down um so the pages are, are nicely spaced out and you've got definitely the essential information so um yeah, yeah. It's, it's the first book on this uh label hybrid shoot uh which is uh john snowden who um has has kind of made this all possible and, and i'm incredibly incredibly grateful to him for for letting that happen and getting it edited and um incredibly grateful to you that was incredibly kind thank you <laughs> thank yeah. you very much uh, well i i mean it and 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 it's just like i said it's been a, a joy um to uh you know reading it um thus far and 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 i've really enjoyed um not only you know those familiar faces but names that i'm not as familiar with which i know for um well before we get into that actually um so you you mentioned the um sorry i'm having a little technical difficulty on my end right now um but you mentioned john snowden and 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 the the company um mm. 
And I, I just want to know a little bit more because I know that there are a couple of books already in the pipeline from them. So anything that you can share, you know, about how the book came about, you know, the genesis of hooking up with, um, you know, with them in order to, you know, to, to, to be the first book under the hybrid shoot banner. Um, yeah. So anything you can tell me about that, I'm sure that people would love to hear. Well, um, interestingly, it, it kind of involves you guys because the, the one time that we spoke before, um, the I remember Paul, 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 mm -hmm. um, uh, going to to my, my my Twitter page and he he looked at the picture of the day, and it was uh, Jumbo Tsuruta and um, uh, and he he was talking about that and that ended up being the picture that that is there. In, in the book for him for for that page and that, that's the first picture which I drew for for this project because I it, what I wanted to do originally was was everybody because uh, I just finished um, uh, kind of eggshells with my brother and my brother had just mm -hmm. put that out and, and the great thing about that was that uh, for a long time he would just tell me what to draw it's like well I need this I need this and I need this <laughs> okay, great and um, when that finished. You know, I'd go week to week and I'd, I'd keep up with wrestling and I'd uh, draw the, the important stuff that was happening that week. So this person became this champion or, or this match happened. So I'd, I'd draw that. But then I started kind of thinking, well, I need some long term project. I need to do something. And it was just a case of, well, fuck it, I'll draw everybody. I'll, I'll try and draw everybody yeah. that's ever done anything. So, um, and so, yeah, my idea was uh, originally just to draw every major champion from every promotion ever and, and put that in a book. And uh, originally just uh, the pictures and, you know, they won their belt this time and then, and that would be it. Um, and, and I'd started that project by, by myself and I had the idea and I, I went off to Japan and I had that idea and, and came back and really threw myself into it. Um, and then a couple of months later, uh, I saw a message on, on Twitter again, um, from Snowden, just uh, retweeted by my brother, I think. Anybody who has any ideas for any wrestling books, uh, get in touch. He was setting up his company. And and so it just seemed to be you know, uh, a perfect coincidence because, yeah, I had the idea and I was already working on it. And it was relatively, you know, it, it was a relatively well-structured idea in my head. It said, so I'm going to do this and this. So, yeah, sure, well, why not? I'll send a message. We didn't have any kind of personal connection before that. And he, he got back real quick and was like, yeah, that's exactly what we're looking for. That's exactly the type of thing. Um, get me together a, a proof a proof of concept kind of thing. So a quick chapter. Um, and so by by that Christmas or by that new year, I'd kind of sketched out the idea for, for the Triple Crown and sent that to him. And that, that changed over time. The illustrations changed and what was written changed. But from that proof of concept, that chapter, he was like, yeah, okay, so, so let's go for it. And I ended up doing um, a lot more. I mean, we did uh, AJW, we did Stardom, um, a lot more belts as well. So the junior heavyweight belts uh, as opposed to just the heavyweights. Uh, so yeah. this is volume one. Um, volume two is coming. <laughs> volume two yeah. is, is there. It's in the future. Um, so that's that's how it came about. And he's just, uh, again, he's been very understanding, um, incredibly kind, and, and yeah, has, has put this out. I don't have a copy, so I, I don't know. I'm going to have to go by, um, you know, by uh, take your word for it. You know, I, I hope that it's come out nicely. I've seen the, 
the proof, the the PDF, and it, it looks like they've done an incredible job. And yeah, again, just consider myself really, really fortunate, really fortunate to have this book out there. Yeah. Um, the kindness from the last couple of days over, you know, online has been unreal. So yeah, really, really grateful. Well, yeah, I, you know, it's worth noting that when I, you know, when I went to pick it up and and started reading it, and and, and was even struck just by the introduction alone, um, which I do want to get to in a second, that uh, I started, you know, kind of tweeting and, and and saying like, hey, this is really great. People should check it out. Uh, and and it's this weird thing. Like I say this without ego. I'm not. I'm not trying to say like, oh, I'm the only one that would know anything about it or anything. But to to see like other tweets, you know, on my timeline from people that I, you know, know and that I'm connected with that I follow or that follow me and whatnot. It was just, it was really cool as, as someone who appreciates your work and just appreciates you to, to see that and to see people, you, you, you know, chiming in and, and, and talking about how much they were loving it and, and posting, you know, the Amazon link where they could go to pick it up or, or whatnot. And I, uh, so, so even even for for just someone who is you know fan slash friend or whatever whatever we are, uh, uh, I I was I was happy for you. I was like that's cool. So it was very satisfying to see the the uh, the response thus far. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, again, no, I don't know. I mean that uh, especially because I, I had no intention of, of ever becoming a big account or, or doing that much. Because essentially, all I'm doing is is I know obsessive. <laughs> it's it's my uh, personal therapy perhaps and I've, uh, through through twitter i've been i know blessed to meet some of the, the nicest kindest people all over the world and and yeah for them to to kind of um go out and then hopefully get something from this because you you were mentioning earlier it's your your hard-earned money and that that's always been in my head anything that i ever ask people to uh, to to buy whether it's a commission or um, or this book you know they, they've worked for that money and so it, it's got to be something um, good it's got to be worth their time it's got to be it's got to be a value so so I really really hope that the people who, who go out and buy this book hope they enjoy it yeah well you know the the art I think it's it's wonderful to hear you say that you know it feels somewhat therapeutic for you and clearly it's it's it's, it's passion but I know for me personally, it's something honestly that I look forward to seeing in, in, in my timeline. And I'm not someone who obsessively checks Twitter and I, you know, I, there are days that will go by when I'm not even on it, which for somebody that has a podcast is probably a big no, no, but whether 10 people listen or a thousand people listen or whatever, it's like, yeah, you know, people are going to listen or not. I have no control over that. I just enjoy doing this. So for me, it's always been, um, I don't know. I, I won't. I won't be so bold as to say therapeutic, but there has been something very enjoyable about it for me to see the art. Um, and I know that the way that we kind of connected very early on is that you were doing a, a charity auction for a series of um, pieces for uh, junior heavyweight champions from, yeah. from New Japan, and uh, uh, and I just you know kind of threw a bit up there, not really knowing what you know what would come of it, and, and ended up winning, and then took the pieces that you had mailed me to Starcast. Um, you know, I asked you if it was okay if I put them on display. And so we had them on our table when we were on podcast row and, 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 and the response that, you know, that, that people would give and, you know, some people asking if they were for sale. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, to the point where I, I looked at Paul, uh, at one point and I was like, let's, let's move those a little back <laughs> away from the edge. Like, I don't want any of them disappearing. Um, cause you know, having the whole set is kind of the point, but, um, it, I don't know that for me, I, I, I think that, 
that your artwork has been something for me to look at. And in some cases, recognize a particular moment that you're, you're drawing or a particular uh, wrestler that, that you're focusing on. And then other times to just be educated, to see something that I, I have interest in, but I don't really know this person or I don't know this moment. Um, and, and, and then, and then kind of, you know, orient myself in the right direction to find out more, uh, which is extremely satisfying for, you know, somebody who's been a wrestling fan for as long as he can remember. Um, and so it, the book, I think, does a wonderful job of, of replicating that while also expanding on it because of these, you know, these wonderful sort of like capsule biographies of, of each wrestler. Um, but I do want to touch just briefly on the introduction because I still think for, for me personally, it's it's just one of the finest, succinct, erudite, passionate little capsules of what it is to be a professional wrestler that I have ever read. And I mean that genuinely. There is something about it that <laughs> that, that 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 takes the the physical and and athletic bits and mixes the with the artistic and creativity that 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 you know wrestlers must have in order to really kind of tell that story. And yeah. and and you do a wonderful way of of putting that down on paper. Um, something that I have wanted to do for quite some time. Um, and I was lucky enough in the lead up to Starcast to talk to Magnum TA and have, you know, really wonderful conversation with him and have followed up with him a couple of times. I have always wanted to dive deeper into, you know, what it is for wrestlers to tell that story to, you know, what, what, what psychology really is, you know, it's a term that gets thrown around and bandied about by everyone under the sun, but mm -hmm. to actually take it apart and actually let people understand what it is, you know, it, to me, it's a bit like acting, it, 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 you know, some of that stuff is so it's out in the ether and you can't yeah. really pull it down. You know, it's like songwriting, you know, some songwriters say they don't know how they do it. It just kind of comes to them. And, you know, it's like they're grabbing the words down from the heavens and that's that. And I think that, you know, that, that that's true of any artistic endeavor. So for me reading this introduction, it just, to, it, it, it hit on something that I think as a, as a wrestling fan, as an artist, I have, I have craved someone to say in the manner that you said it. So kudos. <laughs> so, now that that page didn't go to the editor. That that's entirely me. So thank you, thank you for that. Appreciate yeah, it. absolutely. Um, How no, important was it to you to to have that introduction? No, very, no, very. Uh, the the thank you page at the back and the introduction um, really important to be there. Um, uh, the introduction, I think, just to. Uh, Rather than a series of biographies, like you said, I mean, everything's in context. These are these are people. These are are people who are doing something extraordinary for the entertainment of of thousands, if not millions, of people. Um, and uh, when you look at wrestling, I mean, it, it is entertainment. Wrestling is entertainment. Wrestling is fun. Uh, wrestling is is loud and big, but wrestling is an art form. So wrestling is is everything that you want it to be. You know, if you just like movies, like you said, just like acting, you know, you've got you got comedy, you've got drama, and um, you got, got car crash, you've got action, you've got uh, <laughs> so the people involved in it um, are 
are taking incredible risks with their body that, that your your average say studio actor or or um, uh, stage actor wouldn't do couldn't do. Um, and they're communicating via again semiotics, and uh, there's so much in their head at any one given time that I mean, you really have to be a very very special person. It's a very special type of intelligence. Um, required to be able to go out there, do something so physically exhausting, so physically demanding, and yet still be able to tell uh, a story, engage with people emotionally. Um, and that's that's always going to be that intangible thing that makes pro wrestling the, the greatest art form for, for me. I mean, it, 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 there's nothing that, that even comes close because on a, on a psychological level and just a pure level of entertainment, it's... I don't, I don't know. It's it's yeah, in, uh, unparalleled, unequaled. Yeah, well, and I think that one of the things that's also wonderful uh, about the book is that you do you get to trace so much of that storytelling through the years and and see what the past you know thirty five forty years um, you know for all Japan and New Japan and then obviously for Noah being the past you know twenty. 20-ish years, the, 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 you know, kind of trace the arc of, you know, where it began and, and where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Now, you chose to start the, the, the book, which I, I think, obviously, you know, focusing on Japanese wrestling, there's really no other place to start. You chose to start the book with a, you know, really nice biography of Ricky Dozen. And, and I, the thing that I liked about the biography is that it, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's just a, a narrative flair to it, quite frankly, um, that takes it beyond, because what I find about some wrestling books that, um, choose to go this route, um, and there are some that I love dearly that do this, that are guilty of this is they end up feeling a bit like they just cribbed the Wikipedia page for the wrestler <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, and that you're basically just reading, you know, some, some regurgitated facts. I yeah. love that this does not feel like that. And I would imagine that that would have been a conscious effort on your part oh. to to craft his story in that manner. Can you talk a little bit in particular about that? Yeah, again, that, that was a, a real concern um, when looking at the book. Is that, well, why would anyone be interested in this when, yeah, they could just go to Wikipedia um, and, and read what happened or read facts as to what, what happened. Um, but uh, with with almost everybody in this book and, and almost everybody looked at in, in the course of the, the project. These are people that I have watched and they are people who I do have a personal opinion on. Um, and so it was important to, to look at things from as many different angles as possible, try and do as much reading as possible um, and, and try and remember as much as possible. So, so go back to YouTube, watch these matches or try and find you know, different places where I could see these things again and actually get and that was that was a really good thing about it, being able to go back and and watch things and see things that perhaps I haven't seen for for years in order to you know, not refresh the enthusiasm as such, but definitely kind of um, have these things clearer in the memory and yeah have, have that personal spin on on things as much as possible. Um, I mean, there is a certain extent to which without a website like Cage Match, mm, uh, sure. it, it it wouldn't have been possible, <laughs> right? It's again, I mean, I, the, my mind is not so good at uh, the moment with, with, with baby and, and, and sleep and, and these things. And, and you know, so, so you do rely or you do lean somewhat on, on the more obvious sources of reference. 
Um, but no, it, it's, it, for me, I mean, one of the biggest influences for the book was, um, you know, the, everybody likes the PWI 500, or at least I mm. used to love getting the PWI 500, just yeah. lists, lists, and the lists seem to have been written by people who've actually watched the performers, you know, and so, yeah, it's okay, you, you read about somebody you've never heard of, and then there is that inclination to, to go and, um, find out more about them because you've, you've seen a photograph or, or, or something in, in that magazine. And that, that was the whole point really here. Although, you know, it's not that these people are obscure or, or rather it's not that these people are, are household names either. I mean, I, looking at the heavyweights, um, these people are perhaps more familiar than others. I mean, when we get into the juniors or we get into the, the Yoshi promotions, there are people there who yeah. perhaps, you genuinely never heard of, but that's always been what I want to do. I want to make people interested in discovering this world, which is, is really, really important to, to me. And, and again, it's something that these people have given their lives for. And so it's really important that you, uh, I don't know, reflect that with enthusiasm. I tried as hard as possible to look at everything in a, in a positive light or, not, not in the. I tried to gloss over things if they did badly, and I think that, that was important at the end of, say, Ricky Dozan. I mean, I think there were a couple of you know, negative things brought up about him because he wasn't yeah. he wasn't perfect. Um, but uh, him particularly, yeah, the reason why you know, we started with him, yeah, chronologically, um, he's, he's the most obvious person to begin with, the most important figure. And it gave birth to that company, which then gave birth to uh, everything that that came after that everything followed. Um, well, and another thing that that you do that I really, really loved, and just again, kind of contributed to a nice flow to the to the book, because I think that the it's difficult when you are assembling a book that, like you said, essentially is is, is like a, a list um, mm-hmm. of of not just you know one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's great. But when you can show how you got from one to two to three to four to five, instead of just throwing them, you know, in order or whatever, that's so much more appealing. So this really wonderful thing that you do early on is that you spotlight the the titles um, that, in essence, would go on to make up the Triple Crown, and 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 talk about you know um, what this title meant at the time and and when you know Ricky Dozan won this title and then this title and this title and, and it's it's a really to me, um, it was probably, especially because I, I'm a huge fan of, you know, late eighties through nineties, all Japan. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that another thing the book did really well is sort of educate me on what happened after, uh, uh the, 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 the split, uh, because I, I did fall off a bit like many people did with all Japan. And to this day still am, am not, um, keeping up as I would like to, uh, and that's more because of time than anything. Uh, and it wasn't until like, you know, um, Keiji Muto went to all Japan and won the title and, and, you know, had his resurgence this, you know, all of a sudden he went from being a guy who quite honestly, you know, wasn't 
was it was a shadow of his former self and was dealing mm-hmm. with injuries and everything and then just reinvented himself and 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 showed the true artist that he could be with these incredible this incredible string of matches and this title run that he had there and so for me other than that particular period i had this huge blind spot um but to go from the formation of the triple crown the belts that were a part of the triple crown and then read about these names that i was so familiar with and then get to read about names that i wasn't as familiar with was a wonderful journey um, that the book was able to take me on. So like you, I was a huge fan of those PWI 500 issues and just pro wrestling illustrated in general. One of the things that I love, and there was, there was a time when I feel like for me, I wasn't a big fan of this because I felt like I was being lied to, but to realize <laughs> that so many of those articles were just created. Like somebody was like, write an article about Terry Funk and they never interviewed Terry Funk. They never interviewed, but, but they would write this article like they had and, and, and going back and looking at some of that stuff, you're like, wow, that's actually kind of brilliant. Like they created this piece. They're, they're basically writing a short story and, 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 and they're fairly well done and they have these amazing pictures to go along with them. So there's a, there's a creative aspect of that, that I hope gets, you know, reevaluated. I know it's been reevaluated by me. So for you in creating this, this journey for people to go on, um, were there certain things that were more important than others? Um, there is certain, certain periods or certain people or, um, not necessarily certain people or time periods, but just, um, the things that you chose to leave out perhaps, um, or, or, or finding a way, cause you, you mentioned that, and I know that this might be more of an editorial thing, but mm. you mentioned that when you initially, you know, gave the book to, uh, the editors that it was a, it was a situation where there had to be cuts made. Um, yeah. and, and, and clearly they did an amazing job at, and, and I think did the job with integrity, which is incredibly difficult to do sometimes, uh, because they're, they're it holds up there. It doesn't feel clunky. Nothing feels like it's missing. Um, that said, as you and I, and many people who read this book know, there's a lot of other stuff. There's a lot of other facts about a lot of these talents, you know, like Misawa, for instance, is someone that you could write a book on and I would oh, love to read that book. No, Hell, I would love to write that book. Yeah. So for you, what was the choice? Like, what was your decision-making process to say, okay, this is what I'm focusing on. This is what I'm leaving out. I think uh, with anything, um, it's a frame. If you're, if you're writing anything or, or, um, or performing or, or anything, so the framework that you have is, is really, really important to, to start with. And so first of all, thinking, well, all of this has got to fit on one page. We've got a biography and then we've got basic information about them, you know, uh, sorry, uh, illustration and then basic information. So we've somehow got to get all of this in. And so you're looking at what they've done, um, starting with their debut. And that that's really important. So starting with where they came from and then trying to look at the journey in relatively broad terms um certainly looking at the the rain which was perhaps the thing that defined the most if they've got multiple reigns um if they've won a minor championship before that which um which changed their fortunes or there was an incident um outside the ring or inside the ring which which again turned the tides or, or changed the way that they were perceived like um uh, uh omori takawa omori um, um, the the guy who held the triple crown for the shortest period of time. Um, one of my favorite um, stories in the whole thing, and it, it's um, say when he first went to Noah, and he 
I had a problem in a match with with Hashimoto and this soured the perception of him, and he, he never really recovered um, and was never welcomed back to Noah. So Noah wasn't the rebirth for him that it was for, for so many other talents who went from all Japan. And seeing then his journey, I know it, it's important to highlight that. I mean, the turning points, I think just focusing on the turning points. And if you, I mean, um, people's lives, uh, you get apparently two or three big decisions or big moments, which then determine the, the rest of your life. And trying to to go back and look at these very very long stories uh, with as much of a broader a vision as possible to to try and find out where those two or three points were and make sure that they then get into the book. Yeah, um, you know another another name that kind of stands out to me in in, in the course of the book is someone like Junakiyama, because you know you and this is true of other wrestlers as well, but you get to write about him more than once. Mm. Um, and so when, when, you know, and somebody like Kobashi or Misawa, you know, when you have those, uh, names that you, you know, you're writing something about in the all Japan, you know, with the triple crown history, and then you're going to the GHC history and you're writing about them there. What is there a, um, because for me, with Akiyama, the, you know, the interesting part is, is that the first time you encounter him, if you're reading the book in chronological order, of course, is in all Japan. Yeah. But by the time he won the Triple Crown, he had already had his success in Noah. You know, he had he had had a career which was on a trajectory in all Japan to take him to where he, in essence, got in Noah. And, and you know, I think that it's fair to say that what Misawa did in creating Noah was just, you know, create chapter two of all Japan, you know, the, the stories that they were already crafting. Um, and, and, and so, you know, Akiyama's ascent didn't necessarily stop just because Noah was created. It was still a continuation of what had happened in all Japan. But as, as a fan of all Japan pro wrestling and his career in all Japan pro wrestling to then go back and, and, and read this, you know, particular bit, it is, I think it's interesting to note that you're encountering him in the book in a way that puts him already, I mean, in some ways past his prime, one could argue, well, by the time he won the Triple Crown, mm. and, and, puts, and puts him in an, in an era of his life and his career where he had already experienced that, that, that um, being at the top of the mountain in Noah. Uh, mm. Was there ever any consideration given to crafting the book in such a way that the biographies would, would be a little bit more chronological. I mean, obviously in the, there's, there's stuff about his earlier career in all Japan, you know, in this, in this bio, but it does focus a little bit more on, on when he came back after Noah. So was there any thought given to saying, maybe I should do this in a way that people can follow along this, this wrestler's career, as opposed to spotlighting this, this moment in time? That's a really good question. Um, because one of the problems was then considering repetition and the fact that you would read things out of sequence. Say so you, you read about Muto before he becomes IWE champ. You read about him when he's the um, the Triple Crown champion first. Yeah. Um, and so each each of the biographies though focusing on what they did within that company. I mean, they, it mentions very quickly what happened, say, in, in New Japan, and if you're reading Old Japan first, but the focus is, is very much on on Old Japan. Um, I think the 
the thinking was definitely more that it would be the, the, the belt that's the focus rather than the, the person. And again, say if you then add the juniors in, you read about Marufuji um, four times in WWE as a heavyweight champion, and and then he's one of the only guys who's won, or the only guy who's won the the triple crown, or not the triple crown, the the cruiserweight belt or the junior belt in in all of the major companies, and so you do read about him a lot, and um, uh, Omega as well, who comes yeah. up more than once, and I mean. Um, I was, so that was a concern, but the focus really being on the, the belt and that being the thing that drove the narrative as opposed to the individual. I, I love that. And one of the things, too, that's striking um, as you read the book, if you if you don't necessarily know a lot about Japanese wrestling, um, which I, I neglected to say this earlier. The other thing that I love about the introduction is that it, it again, it's about being a wrestler but then it does shift the focus ever so slightly on what it means to be a wrestler in Japan. Mm-hmm. And, and I would argue, and this is not to, you know, create any sort of East versus West or, you know, this is better than that or whatever. Cause at the end of the day, I don't care if I'm watching, you know, classic 1982 Memphis wrestling, or if I'm watching, you know, 2001 Noah, or if I'm watching 2020 new Japan, whatever it's, it's, it's yeah. all wrestling. And I love it. Yeah. That said, I think that, um, there is, there's a little bit more meaning and purpose, especially today when you, when you look at it and, and certainly I mean, probably for the past 30 years, at least there there's more meaning and purpose behind what these athletes and these artists do in the ring than what we see in, in a lot of other promotions, um, throughout the world. Uh, you, you, you know, then that's not to deny anyone else's creativity or athleticism, mm-hmm. but the stories that get crafted, you know, in, in a Japanese wrestling ring often in these promotions are that's the type of story that if you were to write them down would still convey something that I think if you were to write about certain matches that might've taken place in the WWF in the eighties would be meaningless. <laughs> you know, it's the difference. It would be the difference between eating a full course meal at a fine restaurant and grabbing a hamburger at McDonald's. Yeah. Um, Sometimes that hamburger is just what you need, but the other meal is undeniably going to be something that you remember. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so for me, the the other thing that's that that is fascinating, and I think if you are a newcomer to Japanese wrestling and you pick up this book, you do see the focus on the belt, and it's even in the as something as simple as the conventions of the naming of the title, because you know in the states you have the WWE world heavyweight championship, you have the WWE champion. It's, 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 it's very focused on the company. Yeah. Whereas these titles, the triple crown, the IWGP, the GHC, nowhere in there is it like an advertisement for the company. It's yeah. very much about the belt and what the belt means. So I think that the, that, that, you know, that I, I completely see that in the book, what you were just saying about it being about the belt and not necessarily about, you know, any one particular person. So I appreciated that, you know, and, and as someone who has a, a, a pretty decent working knowledge of Japanese wrestling and of a lot of these athletes, uh, it was actually really great to read about, you know, this lineage and the history uh, of each athlete as they approach the belt, as opposed to, getting these, you know, capsule biographies of each athlete separate from them. Yeah. 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 Man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So uh, were there any, were there, <laughs> and for me, again, I already said that with a lot of the all Japan post split names, there was something for me to discover because I'm not as familiar, but were there any names, um, that when you were writing the book that you had to maybe research a little bit more than others or any names that surprised you? Um, or, or are you kind of working from a knowledge base that is such that like you're familiar with all of these talents and you, you know, other than maybe having to research specific dates and that sort of thing, there were no, you know, were there some surprises? Um, well, I'm not my brother for what, I mean, this is it I mean, for him. Yeah. Maybe it'd be a little bit easier. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely familiar with, with everybody. I was familiar with everybody. Um, and relatively familiar with, with what is important or so always starting each biography with, okay, well, I want to talk about this and I do want to talk about this, but then going into, I think looking at the question from a slightly different angle, the things that I got more pleasure from would be mm. writing about somebody like um, Takeshi Rikio, who mm. has a very bad rap, you know, and, and he's the guy who deposed um, Kobashi and um, I don't know, looked down on in history sure. and perhaps not not fairly. And um, people like Ryo Tahama, um again at the time um perhaps again looked down on as a an undeserving triple crown champion i mean so it i definitely got more pleasure in including those people who who again others might not know more uh, as much about and then being able personally to go through and having the excuse to explore them more than i had because perhaps as much as anybody else i had been guilty of of writing them off um, but then getting the excuse to go back, watch their matches and, um, you know, and, and then looking at them from a slightly older perspective as well, because, um, maybe, uh, say real time, uh, not real time, uh, um, Riquillo, when he won the belt, I was uh, in my the, the early twenties, mid twenties. And I was, uh, I was a wrestler and I, I thought, well, what, what, what are they doing? <laughs> How can <laughs> In the belt, you know, and, and I had the very, very negative, very critical opinion of him. Um, but then being able to go back with the perspective of the fact, well, no, this guy's a performer and he was working through injury and he was booked like shit. And it's not his fault. Um, and so, no, I mean, somebody like him, I mean, that's it. And again, just looking at those people who perhaps did get a bad rap and perhaps don't have the greatest reputation. Um, it's definitely more of a pleasure. It was more of a pleasure to look at, at their work and explore that. Yeah. I, I, I like hearing that a lot because I think that it's easy, especially, you know, when you have the benefit of time, uh, obviously that gives you a, a clearer perspective, but it's easy to get wrapped up in those things. You know, even when I think a lot of people who come to this podcast probably you know, when we first started this podcast, we were very focused on New Japan. And for me, it was always important to to not just be about New Japan because there is so much more out there. Uh, yeah. But one of the things that was easy to notice at the time we started the podcast, you know, were the, you know, the, 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 the arguments, um, whether very civil and good natured or not, uh, over who should be the IWGP champion, you know, uh, should it, should Okada continue his reign? Should, you know, should Naito finally get the belt? Should Kenny Omega finally get the belt? And, and, and seeing sometimes those arguments go in a fashion 
that it became more about denigrating the wrestler that you didn't want to win the belt than it did about supporting the wrestler that you wanted to win the belt. And so it's really nice to hear because, you know, Ricky O is someone that I think that when you, when you do look at his career, like there are, there are some, there are some really good matches and there are. And and I think that the the thing, look, the thing that in my opinion that hurt him the most is that he was the guy that beat Kobashi. Like Mm. there, 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 they came to a point where there was literally not going to be, I think, a satisfying conclusion for many, many fans at that time to Kobashi's reign. Yeah. But it had to end. It had to end for multiple reasons. Of course, not the least of which that Kobashi was so banged up at that point, he could barely walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so um, I, I think that that's that. I don't know. That's really cool to hear. And one of the things that the book has certainly done for me is made me want to go back and watch matches that I haven't either watched in a while or that I haven't seen period. Another thing that you do in the book that I really enjoy is you spotlight classic matches. Mm-hmm. The thing that I love about the way that you've chosen to do it, whether that was a collaboration with the editors or, or on you is that it's just a piece of art, the date where it happened, the attendance, and then just a small little blurb. It's not, you know, it's not like a review. It's not a, you know, move by move description or commentary. And I really like that because for someone like me, I don't know, it's almost more evocative than if it would have been a page, two pages about a specific match. And it makes me want to go back and watch that match. Um, Were there any, uh, I mean, obviously you're you're pretty selective, which I I think is also great. But uh, if if you could only maybe pick one uh, out of of all of them that you list, which one would you say you have to go watch this match? (laughs) Um, Well, you know, with the classic matches, what we did originally was, yeah, like a two, three page blow by blow account of each of those matches. And then, mm. yeah, we, we pared it all the way back down and it really did work out much better. As you say, just with a, a small, a few uh, sentences about it, go out and check it out. Um, and so, yeah, I did go back and watched all of them again, reviewed all of them, looked at them again. And the best one, well, geez. Not even the best one, but maybe just your favorite. (laughs) I think maybe uh, the um, the Kawada Misawa Mm. um, 99 match for for a lot of reasons. It wasn't the best match, or maybe not the best match that we had. Um, But the fact that uh, maybe apocryphally, but it was the last match that Baba ever saw, and it, it, it. it screwed up both men physically. Kawada broke his arm. Yeah. Uh, you had the Gatso bomb and um, the extent to which they took the risks within the ring to tell that story. Um, I, I don't know. As a Again, as a piece of art, as a, as a piece of work, it, it's, it, I don't, I don't know. All of the, all of the matches were chosen for, for that reason. There was something about them that as a piece of work, it's not just a good match. It's something that, um, either marked a change or, or like really, I don't know, it has something intangible about it and, and say that match there really does tickle the boxes. And, um, if I were to tell anyone to go back and watch any of those or any one of those, then maybe it would be that the 99, uh, Kawada Misawa match. Yeah, that, that actually, that was either the, might've been the first, of their encounters that I ever saw, uh, which my, my 2020 brain 
frazzles out at and says, no, you should have watched them in order. But, <laughs> but I, it was either that, or it might've been, or I think, I think that was actually the very first one that I saw, because that was around the time that I, that I started to really get in, um, to Pearl and, and I was, um, lucky enough at that time I was living in Southeastern Pennsylvania. And so I would go to ECW shows and, and the RF video table would be there and, and just had all sorts of tapes. And I would, you know, I, I would spend more time at the table sometimes than I would, you know, sitting down for like the opening few matches and just, you know, want to, want to pick up all the tapes I could. Um, the, the decision to, cause you mentioned, obviously this is volume one, Mm-hmm. Um, to have this, you know, sort of more succinct volume that focuses on these three particular titles, uh, as opposed to say, releasing this behemoth of a book that focuses mm-hmm. on all of these other titles. Um, was there, w- was that something more just, you know, workload, just, you know, making the conscious decision to say, I'm going to focus on, on getting this work done first and then do the rest of it. Or was it more just a case of saying, I think that each of these particular you know, types of title or whatever deserve their own book uh, as opposed to just throwing everything into one big book? No, well, actually, that decision wasn't mine. Um, okay. Because everything everything is, is ready or done or with the editors or, or something. So for me, it was always a case of, okay, let's, let's put out everything. Um, yeah. I think it would then run to, to something like 300 plus pages and it, it would I know be sort of impractically big um a ton of information and originally I wanted uh everybody literally everybody from Kayantai Pro as it was to to <laughs> AJP to IW, I, I wanted I wanted everybody and again it's it's been a process really of paring that down in order to then get the best quality um or, or at least the clearest view of the people as you go go forward so i think the idea to focus on on these three major belts and and ricky dozen as well it's this introductory um volume and i think uh in that respect it makes it a ton of sense um because the end yeah i think if you had everything that would be it and um it would be too much to focus on perhaps in one and um Volume two, when it comes out, or whenever it comes out, uh, it's going to be a, a great companion again to to this because it, it, it continues some stories and it you know shows a lot where where a number of those stories began as well as completely different yeah. narratives. Well, even thinking about like Marafuji or Kenta, for instance, um, yeah. yeah, by the you know when we're when we're getting to them in this book. They've already had these, you know, incredibly successful careers as, as yeah. junior heavyweights and as tag teams. And then and then, you know, we get to them at the point where it's like they've they've really kind of leveled up in a way that with with very few exceptions to that time, a lot of wrestlers hadn't. You know, you didn't you you had Misawa, you had Fujinami, you had you know, you had these these really huge legendary names but it had been a while since you'd seen someone have a, a similar trajectory. And so for like, you know, Marafuji and Kenta to, to read about them in this book as they, you know, kind of go to the top of the mountain uh, for heavyweights, I think it'll be really cool to then read about them uh, from a different perspective. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I'm, and I'm also, I, as we spoke about before, I'm very much looking forward to the, to the Joshi uh, um book as well, because that for me is, is something that I, that I love. And, um, 
you know, one of the one a book that that I um, that I love dearly uh, is Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, and I think that if there's a if if there's for a wrestling fan like me um, reading about some of those Joshi stars in the, the depth that that book goes to is great. Um, although it does in you know commit maybe some of those minor sins that we were talking about earlier, as far as the writing and, 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 and cribbing Wikipedia and whatnot. Uh, it's still mm. just a wonderful volume to have. So I look forward to, to what you are going to have to write. I look forward to the art, um, especially, um, were there any, uh, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do have two more questions that I really want to ask. Um, right. one being, um, w- was it difficult for you to, uh, decide on the pieces of art that you wanted to use? Were there any like pieces that you kind of had to say, like, you know, kill your darlings basically and say, well, I'm not going to use this one in the book. Um, I'm going to go with this one instead. <laughs> um, definitely. I mean, the, the art got revised as it was going along I mean, because say, like I said, the, the jumbo Tsuruta, the, the first picture in there for, for him, that, that unchanged. But one of the things that we, because say you look at my Twitter feed, I put up a, a picture for, every day for the last um, coming on four years yeah. and going back and looking at the first, going back and looking at the first ones, it's, it's embarrassing. And I think it's that constant process. And that that's definitely something that I'm, I'm aware of that I'm going to look at some of the things in this book over, you know, next year or in a couple of years when hopefully we're on volume five or six and I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be deeply ashamed. Um, so, I mean, there are things which I took out and I took out willingly and, and happily in order to then upgrade them. Um, uh, say the, again, the Misawa Kawada match, I mean, the, the illustration that I'm really happy with, uh, it's one of the ones I did more recently to revise something that was that I didn't like. So anything that got taken out, um, was was taken out happily and and then replaced with something that was was better. Sure. Um, say one of the earlier ones in there as well, the the Muto with the triple crown. I, I like that one, and um, I think uh, Nakamura was one of the ones of again, which oh, I, I did again quite recently. And um, I think you can not see the difference because the idea is that hopefully everything in there is of a of a certain quality that again would you know I'd be proud of. Uh, but I yeah. think those stand out for me because they're they're more recent. I, I can completely understand that. You know, as as, as an artist, when it comes to uh, you know my acting career or my songwriting, there's there's definitely uh, almost that that embarrassment that you feel over those early like the early endeavors. You're just sort of like, ooh, okay, well that's just where I was in my process. It's it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've moved on. <laughs> growth and that's that's important. exactly it is it is and i think that you know one of the things for me as an artist that i that i that i tried to grab onto early because there's that you know especially i i think in in american society but just in general there there's that sort of pressure to you know make a choice and to stick with said choice and to achieve as much as possible as early as possible you know and i i can just remember that when i was like 13 or 14 and i said to myself all right, I, I want to be an actor. I thought I had to be the best actor that there ever was by the time I was like 16 or 17 or else what was the point? Uh, and that's also youth, you know, just uh, I think the youth. And it wasn't until maybe I was like 20 or 21 when I finally kind of grabbed on, which is, you know, you're still young, uh, grabbed onto the idea that like, no, this is all a process. 
Like every single day is a new step along the way. And I think that that is, you know, important in any art. Um, and I think that that is, you know, something that, that, that many professional wrestlers are also, uh, exemplify in writing a book like this. And this, this is, this is my, my final question, my big question. Uh, you, you'd get to trace not only the path of these titles, but in my opinion, you also get to trace the path of where wrestling and the art of that storytelling was at the particular point in time that, you know, someone held that title. So mm. you really do start in a lot of ways with the Triple Crown, for instance. You start with Jumbo Saruta. You know, you, you can't help but start there because um, he was the first. But, um, but you, you, you know, you, you see where it goes from him, you, you know, on down the line when you get to Misawa, on down the line to Kobashi, to, you know, to, uh, you know, to Tinru again, to, to Muto, to, you know, to Akiyama, to Sawama, to, you know, to mehara today like you you see that there is not there is not one fixed point that it's always growing and always evolving yeah. you know you you see that obviously with iwgp i mean when you start with somebody like Inoki and now you know you get to somebody like okada uh mm-hmm. and everyone who's come in between um the same thing with noah and the ghc so my my question when when it was finished, you know, was there one particular wrestler that to you meant maybe just a little bit more than the others? Was there one that stood out for you and you could say, if I had to choose one to exemplify what it is to hold one of these titles, who would it be? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) no I think I mean it's a horribly good question one of the things that say I I, the whole thing really was that everybody having attained the same thing did the same thing and had the same worth you know I wanted uh, to say that perhaps someone like say uh uh, magnitude, uh, Kishiwada or, or Poison Julie Sawada or someone like that w- had the same value as um, Misawa, but of course that's that's not not true as much as I'd, I'd like it to be. I mean, somebody who's started their own company, somebody who's who's done something to drive the art form forward on a much much larger. Um, uh, with a much much grander scale or a much much grander vision, I mean, obviously they're they're going to be somebody, I suppose, who you'd say has more value than somebody else. They're all doing the same job, um, but they're not all equals. Um, in theory, every champion, because they've attained that status, um, it carries an awful lot of weight on their shoulders and some some cracked under that weight and some some flourished and, and excelled i i suppose you you would have to say um misawa which is no great revelation coming coming out of it <laughs> um and i think again that that's something that i was perhaps a little concerned about that you would that it would be um say preaching to the choir or or Mm. telling people something that they would already know. But I think 
I wanted to, to put a journey down there, but even though you'd know in, in broad terms what happened and who they were, I think it was important to, to have a look step by step and see that it really, really wasn't easy for these people to, to be in that position. And um, I mean, what Misawa went through um, to achieve what he achieved for the good of uh, everybody that he worked with, I think um, he, he really stands out. Yeah, I I, I, w- I would I wouldn't disagree. I, I think that to me, um, and it's interesting because I haven't necessarily seen this conversation a lot. I've seen it, but I haven't seen it a lot. I I genuinely feel like, and he was clearly standing on the shoulders of of others that had come before him, mm. of course, naturally. That said, I, I think that what he did, and those that you know he surrounded himself with, or he was surrounded with. Um, really changed and and moved the art form forward to the point that what we see today, um, you know, especially in my opinion from New Japan and 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 the heavyweight matches that we see today are are indebted a great deal to the work that he did, um, and 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 I think that that to me is kind of the, the true testament to your work when you see it reverberated even after you're gone, well, you don't get to see it, but you know, when others see it reverberated after you're gone, uh, and he shouldn't be, let's face it, he shouldn't be, you know, that's the sadness. That's the tragedy. I think of his story is that, you know, ultimately one could argue that he should still be here. Um, but, but one of the, um, there's a book called the wrestling, um, by a guy Mm -hmm. called Simon Garfield. It came out 20, 25 years ago. It's about uh, British wrestling, and um, I remember reading it whilst you know, while we were training, while we were growing up and um, learning learning how to wrestle. And at, the, at the point where we were breaking into the British wrestling scene, it was um, the early 2000s and it was very much in the doldrums. And this book was written about the, the stars of the, the 60s and the 70s, the, the world of sport wrestling scene. And... Um, there were so many stories in that book of, of wrestlers uh, dying of heart attacks by the side of the road, dying forgotten in nursing homes. And uh, again, one of the things that has, has really kind of driven me um, is to, to fight against that forgetting, the, the forgetting of these people who, who excelled in their art form, who, who gave their gave their lives again for the entertainment of others. And so it, it's that celebration of, of what they did, what they gave, uh, that is, that is desperately important. And, um, it's, it's, it's everybody. I mean, we, we all kind of go out and we all suffer and we all work and, um, I, I, I don't know, not in the, not to the same degree. I mean, nobody's getting powerbombed through tables on a regular basis or, you know, <laughs> yeah, unless you're, unless you're part of that world, you know, but, right, but it right. is something. <laughs> um, it, it, I, I think that there is this, this need to celebrate human life and human achievement. And it, it's something that again, doesn't, it, it doesn't happen as, as much as it, as it should for, for certain people. I mean, if you're a great, a musician, if you're a David Bowie, if you're a Kurt Cobain, then you'll be remembered forever because um, you're marketable, because you, you're somebody who will sell records for, for big record companies. But if you're a wrestler, um, because 
of the way that the art form is perceived, it, it doesn't matter if you've, you've died in the ring in front of thousands of people, you're, you're going to be forgotten by, by the general population. And for me, that's just maddening. There has to be something out there for, for these people who, who've given their lives to this. And I think that that's the general idea behind pretty much everything I do, you know, the, the pictures on a daily basis and, and this book ultimately. Yeah. Uh, well that, that comes through. And I think you know, it's, a, it's a word that I've not yet used to describe the book, but I think that especially with what you just said, I think that the word tribute is certainly, um, one that could be, you know, slapped on it as well, because I, I think that it does serve as a really wonderful and in some cases touching tribute to the, the, the talent. And I think you've accomplished exactly what you set out to, if that was a part of it, because, uh, for me, you know, reading about some of these names, I, I mean, I was, I was such a huge, still am such a huge Jumbo Saruta fan for a while. You know, just I, I just loved him. You know, there was something about his presence, his you know, this is before I had uh, attempted to try to understand a word of Japanese before I had ever, you know, really. But 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 just seeing him, there was something about him that I just loved. You know, yeah. I can remember I think it was maybe day of reckoning or whatever, one of the wrestling games from the you know, early 2000s where he was like the first wrestler I created. Um, and it was it, you know, let's face it he wasn't always the flashiest. He wasn't, you know, at that point in time, you had your guys like Jeff Hardy leaping off of things you had. But for me, there was just something about, there was, a, there was a dignity, there was this fire, there was this, you know, and so to read about him, anytime I get the opportunity to read about him, I'm always touched by that. And, and, and so, um, you know, clearly he's one of the first names in the book, but, uh, you know, seeing him and seeing the artwork, it's just, it's lovely. And, and even going up to, to, to today and seeing, you know, and, and seeing, uh, um, obviously guys like Kenny Omega and, and Naito and, and, and reading about them. And, and also that the funny thing is obviously is that Naito comes, um, earlier than Omega in the book. He's, you know, he's the current champion, of course, but there's something about when you read his particular biography that it almost feels like it's, you're reading about it at a place in the book where it's going to mean even more after you read what comes next. And that to yeah. me is also a wonderful, a wonderful aspect of the, of sort of the overall arc of this particular book. Um, so I, I love that. And I love getting to read about that because the emotion is the most important thing. You know, there's, there's that, there's a wonderful wrestling documentary called Memphis heat that came out a few years ago about Memphis wrestling. Um, and, and, and there early on um, Jerry Jarrett, uh, and Bill Dundee in separate interviews, you know, hit on basically the same thing, which is the most important thing about it is that you're, you're trying to reach people's emotions. That's it. You know, you, you, and, and I think that what the book did for me is it reminded me of a lot of those emotions, whether they're emotions that I had, you know, 20, 25 years ago when I first saw, you know, somebody like Misawa, or if it was something from just a year or so ago when Kenny Omega, you know, won the title for the first time. Like the emotion that, that those wrestlers and the matches that they've had can create, you know, resonate. And I think the book does a wonderful job of capturing that. Um, so I, I, I think obviously I am a huge fan of what you've done. Uh, and I can't wait for, for what's next. Um, 
is there is there anything sort of imminently i know we were talking earlier you know obviously we're all experiencing this this lockdown you know globally um together but is there anything else that you're working on right now anything else people can look for uh, are we just going to have to wait with bated breath for the next volume are there other things that they can do to, to support you at this particular time oh well the next volume apparently uh, will be good for christmas apparently so that that's something for this year um uh, apparently because uh what was it friday the day that the book came out um i also got uh, a message from akari who works for pure j over in the in japan and uh, they've started selling a, a shirt and I, I tell you to rush out and buy buy that shirt and support her because she's wonderful and pure j is a wonderful company but uh, you can't they, they don't ship overseas which is which is unfortunate <laughs> but it's still a cool thing that's happening i mean beyond that it's uh it's commissions if you want anything drawn um i email you scan i get things in the post and that's one of the things um i'm, I'm so happy that we're getting to to uh, at least reduce the, the restrictions on us because i've got a, a few things that I, I need to send out and i've, I've had here for for a few weeks um, so uh, people again have been incredibly kind asking me to draw things for them. Um, so get in contact, uh, Twitter or Instagram, any work you'd like them. Just let me know. And what are those, what are those Twitter and Instagram handles so that they can find you easily? Um, at shining wizard DS on Twitter and at shining wizard designs on, on Instagram. Um, yeah, just drop me a line, man. Yeah. Absolutely. And of course, you can uh, you can go to Amazon uh, to pick up the book. You can either do uh, the electronic version uh, or the paperback. Or if you're crazy like me, you can do both um, and, uh, and, and support not only <laughs> and support not only a wonderful artist, and a kind human being and a fantastic writer as well, um, but uh, learn even more uh, about these titles and these athletes. Um, Matt is, is always just such a pleasure to talk to you. I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that you, uh, even, even after radio silence for me from a long time, you, you, you drop a line and check in. Uh, it's, it's always nice to, to hear from you. And, and it's been such a pleasure to speak to you today. I'm, I'm very, very happy for you. Cause I think that the book is really, really something special. And, and I hope that it just, I hope that, you know, not only you, but hybrid shoot as well. You know, they've got a couple more titles that are coming out um, soon. One on Ken Shamrock, um, which I believe is written by Jon Snowden. And then another yeah. one about, um, you know, the, the bloodiest matches in wrestling and things like that, which, you know, Hey, uh, let's face it. We all like to read about the, the blood baths from now and again. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, I, yeah, I just wish you all the luck and, and, and I hope that they keep producing titles, um, that can, that can meet this quality. I think you've set a high standard right off the bat. Thank you so much, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that we didn't really get to touch on, but I will add as we get ready to sign off here, uh, is that you're going on very little sleep because you have a five month old in the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's beautiful. And my partner's been doing a sterling job for the last hour and a bit. I mean, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, Arene, Arene James, she's five months and, um, she's, she's just perfect. I mean, she, I, I um, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're a father and, and, you know, um, I don't know even cause she only sleeps now when she's in my arms, which is nice, but she only sleeps when she's in my arms and I'm doing squats. Um, so I have incredible size. 
<laughs> it's really helping me um, under lockdown, but it's at 2 a.m., at 4 a.m., at 5 a.m. It's 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 difficult. It's difficult, but uh, no, I mean she's kind of daily. She's she's perfect. I mean she's. I don't I don't know. It's di- difficult to encapsulate because it, every day is an adventure. But she's. I don't know. It's it's made my life. It's um, yeah. nothing else matters really. So no, it's it's great. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I, that's that's something that we've been able to connect over these past few months. And I, I know that that message in particular that you sent me. I think it was probably just about maybe a week or so before she was born, and uh, and I kind of it kind of re re for me it just it just sort of reignited that 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 connection to with you to just be like oh you're you're because my daughter at that point was about. 17 months old, I think 16 months old, somewhere around there. Um, and so I had a little bit of a head start on you, but, uh, but it was certainly, uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful way to kind of connect. Cause I think that that in particular, you know, parenthood and, and fatherhood, and even more specifically being the father of a daughter, not that I believe in any sort of particular kind of gender bias or, you know, or, or I, I don't want to treat her as a little girl necessarily, mm-hmm. anything like that. I'm not endorsing that, but I do think that there is just something that you can't help but feel. There's a, you know, there's a certain biological kind of, uh, thing that, that kicks in and, um, in the, in the world in which we live in today in particular, I think being the father of a daughter, um, like we were talking about with with wrestlers, with wrestlers a bit ago, there is there's that continuum, there's that journey that we're all on, dating back to the caveman days, and and I think where we are today in our society, and 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 with the the new perspectives that we are luckily being offered um, when it comes to the the male treatment of of females and and what we can do as fathers, I think to support and um, yeah. you know put them on a path to to having you know just fair and equitable life that allows them to do whatever it is that they feel passionate about and need to do without threat of anything. It's, uh, I don't know. It's just an interesting time to be a father of a daughter, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think like you said, going back, um, millennia, I think it's just the challenge of fatherhood. I'm not sure whether I'd feel any different because I didn't know the gender of mm. of the baby un, until she she arrived and mm-hmm. people would ask you know I don't I don't care I, I really I want a human being yeah. I want a healthy human being and um, yep. it, it, whether it's uh, a boy or girl just they will be my life for the rest of my life and so um, I I don't know I just want her to be a, a healthy happy human being <laughs> in the future and this is it I'm not sure um, gender gender comes into it or it, 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 she's a she's a baby you know and one of the yeah. interesting kind of traditions that they have here they um they pierce girls ears mm. within the first couple of months of them being born um oh, wow. and i was vaguely incensed <laughs> and it was uh, <laughs> an early, early bone of contention because we're we both agree. I mean, she she doesn't wear pink, you know, and that that's yeah. just whatever colors are gray or blue or white. So there's not this saturation of this color because this gender. Um, but yeah, when you'd ask people, well, why 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 do you have to pierce their ears? Oh, because it looks cute on a girl. It's like, what? <laughs> it, it <didn't, laughs> right. Yeah. That's every excuse to mutilate this girl for the rest of her life without asking her permission. Anyway. Yeah, so, <laughs> it, was, 
So she she now has the earrings. I, I lost that battle, but um, little studs. Yeah. And they look they look cute. I, I, but, right. But again, that's that's not the point. Um, I I know. I, there there have been similar things that happened over the past you know twenty months or so where there have been conversations about what we wanted to do or not do. Bows in in you know on the head and things like that were definitely a point of contention for me. I was like, I don't know, don't. Don't put a bow on her head. She's not a. She's not a Christmas present. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. I don't. I. I fear. I mean, it, it, it's just a case. I think of choose your battles. Um, yeah, because yes. yeah, it's like we're we're five months in, and and hopefully there's going to be years and years and years and years of this to go. So um, choose the things that are important to fight over. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah, with your partner. I mean, that is. That is absolutely the, true. And I think that one of the things that we're experiencing now with being, you know, you're almost kind of in a pressure cooker. And I think it's a wonderful way to kind of realize that like, yeah, certain things just don't matter as much as others. Like there's no, no. need, there's no need to quibble about this. Let's, you know, let's, let's we're going to let this one go. <laughs> um, Man, Matt, I, again, thank you so, so much. I, I, I don't want to keep you from your wonderful daughter any longer than I have to, uh, or sleep. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but thank you so much. Um, you, you know, for folks that are out there listening right now, you, Matt, you're gracious enough to arrange this. We're on a bit of a time difference. You know, it's, it's the, it's AM over here in Chicago and, and your PM in Spain. So it's, uh, it, 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 it takes some coordination and I really do appreciate it. I, I value you. I appreciate you. Um, you. and I, I'm grateful for your work, man. I really am. I, it's, it's provided me with some much needed enjoyment, uh, these past 24 hours. So, uh, and it will continue to, um, and I can't wait for what's next. So, uh, again, uh, make sure you check out at shining wizard DS on Twitter or at shining wizard designs on Instagram. Uh, Matt will be happy to do a commission. Um, and of course, pick up the book J crowned volume one on Amazon, either the electronic version or the print version, um, which there was some confusion about. You can indeed get the order of the print version in the United States. Um, it is shipping. Um, so, so yeah, pick it up. And uh, if you have any questions, Matt's a friendly guy. Just reach out, ask him. He'll answer. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, man. You take care of yourself, all right? Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Absolutely. I just want to once again extend a heartfelt thanks to Matt Charlton for joining me on the show and discussing his new book, J-Crowned. Um, this again, as we mentioned in the interview, is volume one. There will be more volumes, uh, at least two more volumes, I think, uh, which are basically finished. Uh, so I really look forward to those uh, and look forward to continuing the conversation with Matt when we get the chance. Um, but you can pick up J-Crowned volume one right now, which covers the All Japan Triple Crown, New Japan, IW. WGP Championship and the NOAA GHC Heavyweight Championship, the three major heavyweight championships of Japan, uh, and all the title holders with these wonderful, I don't, I, I feel like calling them capsule biographies is almost a disservice because they, there really is a lot of information packed into a small uh, one page um, you know, bit, but it, the artwork, um, the title histories, everything, it, it's just fantastic. And I, I think that, um, 
Anyone who listens to this podcast will find it to be an indispensable volume uh, for their bookshelf. So uh, I urge you to go out and get it right now. You can get the electronic version um, on Amazon um, for the very reasonable price of $4.99. Or you can pick up the paperback version for $19.99. Or if you're crazy like me and you're stir crazy and you know, you're know you probably just dropping a little money on things that you don't necessarily drop money on, you'll buy both. Uh, support a great artist. Remember that Matt also is uh, accepting commissions right now for original artwork you can find him at shining wizard ds on twitter or at shining wizard designs on instagram uh hit him up uh support a a wonderful artist a wonderful human being and uh, i'm sure that you'll be pleased with the results um so again just heartfelt thanks to matt i really appreciate it and i can't wait to talk to him again uh, also, uh, I wanted to give you guys a heads up that coming up soon, um, you're going to hear some interviews with, uh, Mark James, who runs the Memphis wrestling history website, uh, memphiswrestlinghistory.com, uh, wonderful guy and, uh, has, has just, I mean, really done an exhaustive amount of research on Memphis wrestling history specifically, but also other territories. Um, and, and, and I mean, just written um, a library worth uh, on Memphis wrestling from um, volumes about specific years, like year in review, um, where he'll talk about every angle feud, uh, the talent, the, you know, it's just a really wonderful uh, view of a year in Memphis wrestling. And then he has also done um, like log books, which show um, all of the, uh, matches that a wrestler's had. Like one of the more recent releases that he did was a Jerry Lawler, um, match listing, which listed every match from his very first match all the way up until I think 1997 or something like that. So like 25 years worth of results. Um, and, uh, he's, he's also collaborated on biographies with talents like Bill Dundee, Jeff Jarrett. Um, so the guy knows his stuff and, and as a fan of Memphis wrestling and, and the territories, um, really looking forward to, to talking to him uh, more in depth. Um, um, but in the meantime, you can certainly visit his website, memphiswrestlinghistory.com. Uh, you can find his books uh, via the website uh, or on Amazon. Um, and certainly looking forward to having him on. Uh, also, of course, we'll be getting back into Phil Singer Games territory very soon. They've got some new releases coming out uh, in uh, just a few weeks, uh, May 2020. Um, there's going to be a, a Legends 2-pack. There will be uh, a Best of Indies Wrestling 2020. They've already announced some names, including um, TNA, former TNA X Division champion Ace Austin, um, uh, Internet Wrestling Television champion uh, Warhorse. Uh, both of those names have been announced, uh, as well as their promoter Prime, which is their uh, online um, and tabletop version um, that, that they release um nine cards every quarter, three for the Champions of the Galaxy, you know, futuristic sci-fi wrestling game line, uh, three for Indies wrestling, and then three for their Legends wrestling. Um, So always excited to talk to anyone from the Phil Singer Games team um, and look forward to hearing your thoughts. So feel free to reach out to me at KOPW72 on Twitter. And uh, I hope everyone in the meantime is staying safe uh, and taking care of themselves. Um, if you listened to the early comments at the very beginning of the interview with Matt, uh, you know, 
we're, we're both being hopeful. We're, we're hoping for good things to come out of all of this. Um, I, I, both of us have been touched personally by COVID-19. And I think that uh, even if you haven't, it's, it's hard not to feel like you have. So really, it, just stay safe, take care of yourselves and one another. And uh, we look forward to talking real soon. Thanks so much.